Let me, let me give some clarifications on some things. Tuesday night, the journey is at 6 o'clock this week, and it'll be at 6 o'clock from now until Easter. Then after Easter, we'll go back to 7. So we're at 6 o'clock starting this Tuesday through Easter. The one for the cross doesn't mean that all you can give is one. That's, that we just want you to be a part, be one that gives to the cross. That's a, a huge blessing, the Bald Knob Cross, and it, is, it stands as a symbol. I think we would all be amazed how many people have driven by at some point and looked up and seen that cross, and it was a source of inspiration for them. So we want to make sure that we give toward that. The resurrection seed offering is applied to the principal amount on our church loan. And so last year, praise God, we were able to uh, pay over $60,000 directly on that loan. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. And in the last nine years, we have been able to take, we've been able to reduce that loan a million dollars. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. You know, God's faithful to his word. Right before I started to come and pastor here, I, I looked at how, I, I looked at the church of debt, and I, I believe in being debt-free. And I, I looked at it, and I said, it's a big one, God. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, if you'll focus on the people, I'll focus on the debt. And God's been faithful to do that, so we praise him for that. And finally, today we are in the last part of our series on why. Everybody say it with me, why? We all ask that question at some time in our life. We talked about it last week. Why make the bed when I'm just going to get in it again tonight? Why wash my socks when they're just going to end up dirty again? That's because everybody else appreciates it so much when you do it. So there's a lot of whys, and we've talked about why we believe. We've talked about why we witness. We've talked about why we worship. And today we're going to talk about why we give. Everybody say why. Why? Now, before anybody chokes, if if when I said why we give and you felt something, go, oh, I'm just going to tell you up front, you don't understand giving. Because if you understood giving, you wouldn't feel that way. And I'm hoping that today that when I get done, you're going to understand giving better. Now, let me uh, share some things and and make some statements up front. That when I was a young man, my pastor didn't really teach on giving. I think that there had been, uh, he'd been probably exposed to a lot of things like we were, where it was manipulated giving where all of a sudden, you know, I don't know how many of you ever been in a crowd before and somebody said, who'll give a hundred? Who'll give, I need five people to stand up and get. Look, God, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm careful here not to start preaching my message before I get into it, but you need to understand that there is a principle that God operates in. And that when you misunderstand, I didn't, I didn't know about giving. I'll just be honest with you, man. My pastor didn't teach it, so I didn't know it. And I think he didn't teach it because he had probably been soured on so many things. And, and, 
But then an evangelist came by, and that evangelist has been here. That, that elderly gentleman that was here uh, a few months ago, Brother Walls, is the first person that I heard teach about giving. And when I heard him talk about it, something came alive in me. And I repented for having not done it, but it was because I didn't know. And when I started giving, something started to happen. Everybody say, I can't wait for it to happen. Now, see, a lot of times we look at giving the wrong way. How many of you know that giving is an act of worship? And so I, I want to, I, I, I've got to get in here because part of me is so excited right now. And, and, and let me say this too. So, so I, I, I want you to listen intently today because those of you that have been coming to this church, how many times have you heard me teach on giving? I teach on giving about once every three years. Why? Well, I figure you're either going to believe it or you're not. And the, the other part of it is this, is when I teach on it, I, I teach on it because it's something that's going to benefit your life. And so I want you to listen intently today because you probably won't hear me talk about this again for a while. It's, it is one of, to me, one of the things that transformed my life in a way that's hard for me to describe. So if you have your Bibles, let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We honor you, God, and just ask you to have your way in the service today. God, let your word come alive in us, Father, so we can see the benefit of it in our lives. We give you praise in Jesus' name. So let's talk about why we give. We give because he gave. Everybody say he gave. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. What did he give? He gave the greatest offering that we could ever have possibly received. He did not give us cattle and, and, and diamonds and gold. He gave us his son. And his son transformed not just my life, but the entire life of every individual across the face of the world. He gave his best. Somebody say it with me. He gave his best. Now, in case you're thinking, well, Jesus didn't have a choice. Let me read a scripture to you, Galatians 1 and 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Everybody say he gave himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, I understand that there was a battle in the garden that he's praying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And, he, and he's not wanting to die, but he gave himself. Because when Peter was ready to go to war, he told him, put your sword up. He said, don't you understand that even now I could call to my father and he would send legions of angels to free me and bear me? He gave himself because he loved you. That ought to move you. Somebody say, he loves me. I mean, how would you feel? I, I don't know if any of you, I'm not advocating the movie, but how many of you ever saw Saving Private Ryan? I don't know if that was a, a, based on a true story or not. I, I heard that it was. 
but the, the, an entire army went out to ensure that one person, one young man would be brought home alive to his mother because the war had already taken her husband and other two sons. So they're getting him back home. Do you understand that Christ came to get us back home? The Bible said that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He knew we would never be able to make it on our own, so he came after us. Somebody say, that's why I give. He came after us. Because he gave himself for us, it just stands to reason that we ought to give ourselves to him. Now understand, when I'm talking about giving, I'm not just talking about in our finances. I'm talking about our lives. I'm talking about every part of us and your finances are a part of you. Listen to what Romans 12 and 1 said. And I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Everybody say me. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, you ought to live to worship him. Let me say this to you, that if your life, if, if, if you try and fit God in to your life, you're living the wrong type of life. You see, I don't try and fit God into what I do. I fit what I do into worshiping God, into serving God. Everything about me is centered on God. If we, get it the, if we got it the other way around, we're doing it wrong. If, if your life is centered on your job and, and everything else, and, and God is just a part of that, you've got it backward. Our life is centered on God, and everything else is just a part of that. Amen? So we give ourselves to him now according to we understand according to romans 2 and 11 it says for there is no respecter of persons with god how many of you are thankful for that man if there was a respecter of person with god i wouldn't be up here preaching i, I told in, a, in our uh journey class last tuesday i said if some of you knew some of the stuff i did you wouldn't want to hear me preach. And I said, but before you get stuck on yourself, if I knew some of the stuff you did, I wouldn't want to preach to you. <laughs> and basically what I'm saying is this, I'm just making a joke, but basically what I'm saying is this, is that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. God is no respecter of person, but he is a respecter of principle. I said God is a respecter of principle, and there are some principles that God has established in this world that are going to govern our lives, both physically and spiritually. Look at Genesis 8 and 22. Now, this is all the way in Genesis. This comes right after the flood, and this is what God says. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, say that with me, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. All those things that I just read to you, 
that you just repeated are principles that God has set up for this world to operate in. They operate not just in the natural world, but they operate in the spirit world. Because everything that happens in the natural has a spiritual correlation. Today, I'm going to focus on one of those principles, seed time and harvest. Everybody say it with me, seed time and harvest. Now, look at this. Galatians 6 and 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he shall also... There it is. There's the principle in play. Seed time and harvest. He said, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. Now, if I sow corn... I reap corn. That's the physical world. If I sow corn, I reap corn. Now let's take a look in the spiritual aspect of this. If I sow mercy, I reap mercy because Jesus made the statement, blessed are the merciful for they shall what? They shall obtain mercy. You could have easily have said, blessed are those that sow mercy because they're going to reap mercy. Do you see how this works? See, if you don't get this, man, you're in trouble. If you don't understand the principles that God operates by, and if we're trying to operate outside of those principles, look, he loves you and he's no respecter of person, but he is a respecter of his principle. And he's going to operate in that principle as long as the earth remains. Now, look at, I, I, I want to flesh this out for you. Let me say, let me spirit this out for you. Exodus 22 and 29. First principle I want to talk to you about when it comes to seed time and harvest is the principle of first fruits. Everybody say this with me. Put God first. How many of you ladies like to be a second thought to your husband? Whew. I got an amen right here on the front. No. She, does, she wants to know, Debbie wants to know that I am, that she is primary in my heart outside of God. God does not know how to be second in your life. So he's either going to be number one or you're going to find yourself sailing alone. Now, look at this, Exodus 22 and 29. This is God speaking to Moses. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. What's God saying? God's saying, I've got to be first. Now, I'm going to jump ship here for just a second so I can apply something to you. When we talk about tithing, we, we talk about 10%. I'll get to that later. But I want to show you the principle of first, of putting God first. If you get your paycheck and you write out a check for your light bill, your gas bill, your insurance, and then you write out your tithe, even though you gave 10%, you didn't put God first. Because it's not, it wasn't about the percentage, it was about the principle. Put God first. I want you to know I got slapped down this week. My wife put the whammy on me. What are you talking about? That's right. She said, woo, I felt good too. 
Everybody, this was, this was, this past week we got paid and every time we get paid, I get an allowance and I wanted my allowance because I was getting ready to leave. And I said, Deb, I said, can you cut me a check for my allowance? And she reached in her pocket and pulled out a quarter. No, she didn't. She, she said, she said, yeah, I will in just a minute, but I, I need to, you know, take care of Zahia first. I said, well, here, I can. Well, actually, she said, give me just a second. And I said, well, here, just give me the checkbook. I'll just write it out myself. And she, man, she turned on me. No, we're going, I, I've got to pay tithes first. Not that loud, but she was that convincing. She may be little, but boy, can she roar. No, I'm kidding. And so what she did is she shut me down. She said, no, 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 you, you don't get yours until God gets his first. Oh, you, you, look, this is serious stuff because God doesn't know how to be second. And if you start putting him second, you're going to pay the price for it. I heard somebody make a statement one time, you can't outgive God and you can't outsqueeze him either. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm telling you that it's a principle that is in Scripture and it says it's going to remain as long as the earth exists. Seed time and harvest. Everybody say, put God first. Now watch this, because let's go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. I want you to listen very intently to the wording here, or you're going to miss this. I've heard this preached before, and I, I'm, I don't want to be critical of it, but I, I really believe that they're missing the entire point of the passage. Listen carefully to the wording. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Why does God respect Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? Remember, God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principle. Abel brought of the firstlings of the flock, but Cain just brought of the produce of the ground. He did not bring the first fruit. He just gave God an offering, but it wasn't the first. Do you understand that when Abel's sheep had gave birth, the first thing he did was he took that baby lamb, and he took it before God. And I've heard people say it was about the lamb. No, look, because listen to what God says after this. Listen to what the Lord says. Why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right. But if you, refuse, if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. What's he saying? He's saying, Cain, if you'll put me first, everything's going to be okay. 
don't get mad because you're not operating out of a principle. Don't get mad at me because you violate a principle and then you want me to honor the violation? He said, look, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. He said, but if you don't, sin is crouching at the door waiting to pounce on you. And he said, you need to be its master. I can tell you didn't quite get it or you'd be shouting right now. <laughs> what are you talking about? I want you to catch this. God's saying that when you operate underneath my principle, sin does not have the power to control you. When you operate underneath my principle, you are going to dominate sin that's trying to, you are going to be the master of sin instead of sin being the master of you. Somebody say, yes, God. Just put me first. That's what he's saying. Don't miss the principle. Put me first. Now, let's talk about the principle of tithe. I get excited preaching about this. I, I, I know most time, you know, people hear about this. Oh, I'm thinking, you man, you don't get it. You don't understand what giving's about. It's not just giving of your finance. It's giving yourself. Look at the principle of tithe. See, people say tithe came under the law. And it shows me that they haven't studied because if you study scripture, you'll find out that tithe doesn't first show up under the law. Tithe shows up, the first time tithe shows up is in the 14th chapter of Genesis with Abraham. There is a, let, let me read it to you. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, everybody say Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a type and shadow. A type and shadow of who? Of Jesus. Melchizedek, king of Salem. The word Salem means peace. Melchizedek, king of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. And what's it say here? It says he brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. The scripture says that Jesus is forever a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. What happens? He blessed him. Melchizedek blesses Abraham. He blessed he said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who delivered his enemy, or who delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says, and he gave him a tithe of all. When Melchizedek blessed Abram, Abraham, there is no law that demands it. Abraham, as a response from his heart, gave him a tithe of everything he had just received. Tithing is an act of worship. Tithing is about a response of love. There was nothing that, now let me, let me show this to you. Let me take this a step further. If Melchizedek is a type and shadow of Jesus, then who's the king of Sodom a type and shadow of? The devil. And what does the king of Sodom do? The king of Sodom comes up to Abraham and he says, look, I'll give you all my stuff if you'll just give me the people. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying, I'll let you have the stuff if you'll give me the relationships. Oh, let's take it a little further. Go, back, go into the New Testament where Jesus is in the wilderness and the devil comes to him and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And what's he say? He said, I'll give you my stuff 
if you'll just bow down and worship me. I'll give you my stuff if you'll give me your relationship. And Jesus in the modern time vernacular said, jump back, Jack. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, because it's written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. What's he saying? He's saying, God's first in my life, and nothing's ever going to change that. There's nothing you can give me. There's nothing you can promise me. There's nothing you can bring my way that's going to tempt me to turn my back on God. Somebody say, keep him first. <laughs> now, let's take, let's take a look and see how serious God is about this. Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. And listen to what he said. You're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Can I tell you that I didn't know. I hadn't been taught that's why I teach this. I don't, I don't, you, you don't hear me teach on giving a lot, but I bring it to you from time to time because it's important that you understand how God operates, that you get this principle because if you don't, your life can't be blessed. He said, you're, you're cursed with a curse. And now listen to what he says. This gets exciting to me. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now watch this. this. This really gets good. It's the only place in Scripture that God says, try me. He said, just check me out. See if I won't do what I said I'd do. Watch what he said. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the... Oh, anyway, you got the rest of it. What's he saying here? Stay with me. He's saying, check me out. You try me and see if you don't, op when you operate in this principle, you find out if I don't open up windows of heaven and begin to pour out a blessing on you that there's not room enough to receive, okay? Now, let me, let me stop here for a second because how many of you have ever gotten so much stuff from God that you looked up and said, God, that's enough. I don't, I, I can't take any more. No, I've, I've never done that. I've never done, I, now there has been a time, in, physically I've never done that. Spiritually, I remember I was in a service one night, man, I was laid out on the floor. Every time I get up, man, I power, God, it hit me, knocked me back down. And I finally just raised my head up a little bit and I said, God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I was, I'm telling you, man, it was real because it was, it was overwhelming me. But I mean, there's none of us that have really said, okay, God, you need to, to, to close the windows because I don't have room for all this. What's he saying? Now watch what happens because there's a principle at work here. He's saying, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you that you, there's not room enough to contain it. I had, I, I bought a car that was a uh, damaged title car. It had been in a flood. And I bought it and 
ran it, you know, and you're always afraid of those things, but that car ran really good. I had a set of tires on that car that went for 136,000 miles. He rebuked the devourer. You say, oh, yeah, but Pastor, those were those Michelin forever. No, those were Goodyear 45,000-mile tires. And I made the mistake, and I thought it was the tire. <laughs> no, it was God. Because as soon as it's, I thought, man, I'm getting me some more of those tires because those tires went 136,000 miles. Well, that next set I got didn't quite make the 45. <laughs> what was going on? When you exercise a principle and you live according to that principle, God will extend the life of things going on so there's not room enough to contain. What are you talking about? Man, I mean, I haven't, I haven't bought a set of tires and I don't know when. The last car I had, I put 315,000 miles on it and never had any work done on the engine. Don't, oh, don't tell me, oh, that's a good car. No, my friend, that is the hand of God. That is rebuking the devourer. He's saying, I'm just trying to get you to check me out and find out if I don't start doing stuff in your life that you don't have room to contain it. I mean, how do you contain that? How do you, I can't contain it. I need to share it. <laughs> I gotta, do you ever have somebody run up to you and they had so much good news they couldn't contain it? Oh, I got to tell it. I got to tell it. See if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you that you don't have room enough to contain. You're not going to be able to be quiet about it. You're going to have to share it with everybody. <laughs> Somebody say, I need to tell it. Now, watch this. How many of you have ever heard people say, tithing is not in the New Testament? I had a, I had a guy say that to me one time, and I didn't want to get into a long Bible study with him, so I just looked at him. I said, he, he said, tithing's not in the New Testament. I said, okay. I said, you do what's in the New Testament. Go sell everything you got. Give it to the church. <laughs> uh, tithing started looking pretty good to him about that. <laughs> but let me, let me clarify something. I'm talking about a principle. Tithing is in the New Testament, and Jesus is the one that tells it. Luke 11 and 42. I, w I was on a, a, a broadcast called Ask the Pastor. This question came in about tithing, and I'll be if one of the pastors did not get up and say, yeah, I know that tithing's not in the New Testament. And I was a moderator, and I like to jump out of my seat. I said, now, I, I usually don't interject here, but I'm going to have to in this case. And I went to Luke 11 and 42, and this is what I read. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe, everybody say tithe, you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. Here's the key. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What did Jesus just say? He said, look, you tithe of all your herbs and you ought to do that. You ought to tithe, but don't forget about love and mercy. Don't forget about the other things that are even more important. But Jesus just said, yeah, you ought to do it. Don't anybody get excited in here. Somebody said, well, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to. 
when, when, you don't, when you don't operate in the principle of God, you're placing yourself under a curse. How many of you have ever had stuff just start breaking down and falling apart? Do you understand that God can cause things to keep working for you long after it seems like they should have gone by the way of the grave? They, they, they should have, you know, your car's still working, your refrigerator's still running, your, your tennis shoes are still, man, I got some tennis shoes. I got a shirt. <laughs> Do I still have that shirt? I got a shirt that I've had for about 25 years and it still looks like it's brand new i'm not playing games with you it huh it's still crisp well what brand is it doesn't matter about the brand it wasn't about the brand is about god because i bought some other shirts that were the same brand and they didn't do it <laughs> i got this shirt when i was doing mission work one of the first places i wore it was on a mission field and it's been given and given and given and given and i say well why don't you get rid of that i said are you kidding me that's like my best friend come on let's go work for god <laughs> There's a principle in offerings. Now, look, tithing is a tenth, right? But offering is what I give above my tithe. And there, there's a principle that's involved with offering. Look at this. Paul is writing, this is in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Paul's writing to the Corinth church. He's getting ready to take an offering up for believers that, that are struggling in Jerusalem. So he's taking an offering up and he's sending people ahead of him, and he writes this to them. He said, look, he said, I thank God for you. And, 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 he, so he, and let me say this. I don't know if I said this when I started. I said it in the first service. I want to make sure I say it in the second service. This is a giving church. This church has a heart that gives. I've had people come through here in ministry that we've given to, and they were blown away by the offerings that they received. I, I've had them look at me and their eyes get real big and all of a sudden look at me and say, we weren't expecting this. We never believed that a, a congregation like this would be able to give like that. It's because we're operating in a principle. And when you operate in a principle, God respects it. God honors it. So Paul's writing to these guys and said, look, man, I just want to thank you because I know you've been wanting to give this offering. And he said, and I've been bragging on you all over the place. He said, I, every place I go, I talk about how, how willing you were to give. He says, as a matter of fact, a lot of the people that gave, gave because I was talking about your readiness to give. So I'm sending these guys in front of you to make, in front of me to make sure you're ready. <laughs> He goes, I don't want to get there. This is what he says. I'm just giving it to you in plain English. He, he says, I, I don't want to end up getting there. And, and then you get embarrassed and I get embarrassed because of everything I've been saying about you and you're not ready to give. He said, so I'm sending these people ahead to make sure that you've prepared the offering. Now listen to what he says concerning offering. It starts in verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they shall freely and or they, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. When you give, these, these people were poor in Jerusalem. They were, they were giving to them. And in and, and the book of Psalms, it talks about he that, that gives to the poor lends to God, and God will repay. Everybody say, it's coming back to you. So what Paul is saying is, look, you need to understand if you give sparingly, if, 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 you're only, if, if you give a little, you get a little. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. And he said, and when you do give, you better make sure that you're giving from a cheerful heart and not out of pressure. That's why I don't believe in manipulating for an offering. Well, now, if, you, if you'll send me $1,000, I'm going to send you this bottle of water that came straight from the Jordan River. I prayed over it, and it's good stuff. I'm not trying to pick. I'm just telling you there's no room in the house of God for manipulation. Now, if you want to give, and I, I did when I, I was doing mission work. I, there were times that I, I just gave gifts to people, but not, I, I never sent out a thing. If you'll give this, I'll give that. Sometimes we just sent out gifts to let folks know we appreciate your support. We thank you for what you're doing. But you can't operate that way. When you give because it's coming up in your heart, my friend, God will honor that. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. I remember a time in our lives when I, I had this van, and it wasn't a, a very... New, it wasn't a new van. It was, it was well used, had a lot of miles on it. We were in Mexico, and the missionary there needed the van. And I thought, man, you know, I, I, I really need a van, but he needs it more than I do. So I gave him the keys to it and left him the van. Well, it wasn't long until somebody took me on a parking lot and handed me the keys to a brand new van. I never gave away the old one to get the new one. I gave away a truck. And I'll be if somebody didn't give me a newer truck. It was better than the one I gave away. <laughs> I remember one time, Demi and I, we got down, we wanted, there was a small church and they had a, a mortgage payment and we wanted to pay their mortgage off. It wasn't a big mortgage, but it was big to them. And we didn't want them to know about it. And we went to the banker and the banker said, well, I got to tell him. And I said, okay, okay. So he tells him, we pay off their mortgage. And we said, look, we just want to do this. We don't want anybody to know about it. And God is my witness within a season, three months time, somebody paid off our mortgage that was like 10 times higher than that church mortgage. I, we did not 
pay off the church mortgage saying, okay, God, I'm giving this so you'll take care of my mortgage. I'm giving my truck away because I want to put my order in for a new one. No, 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 that's manipulating giving. And God doesn't want you trying to manipulate him either. Just let me tell you, when you give from a response from the heart, he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out to you blessings you cannot contain. All right, I'm, I'm about to wrap this up. Philippians 4 and 15. I bet, I, did you ever see, well, never mind. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to me because I feel the anointing of God and I'm preaching about giving. <laughs> see, that's what I'm telling you, that giving's an act of worship. It's not manipulation. It's about your heart toward God. Look at this, Philippians 4 and 15. I'm going to share with you a few years ago, I was privileged to be one of just a few ministers that was in a meeting with Oral Roberts. He was, on, he was way up in years, and he sat down and he talked to some of us ministers. He gathered us around, and he sat on a stool, and it, it, was, a, it was a very special moment for me. And this is one of the things that he talked to us about. Now, I'm going to share his testimony concerning this in just a moment. Let me read the scripture. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Listen to this last verse, because this is key. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Oral Roberts began to talk to us about when you give, you're making a deposit into a heavenly account. You can't take out what you haven't put in. But when you put in to heaven's account, it produces unprecedented interest. I mean, you, you know, you think you got a good thing going. You give to God. There's a little boy that can tell you about heaven's account. He gave two fish and five loaves and fed over 5,000 people. He said, that's my lunch. <laughs> that's my, I just made a deposit. Look at all this return. They 12 baskets left over. I got more left over than I had to begin with. <laughs> so it's, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, I want you to get this principle. It's not that I'm trying to get something from you. It's that I'm trying to get something to you. And you have to understand that if you don't give, you've got no account. If you're not giving, then you don't have anything you could pull from. Now, here's his testimony. He was laying in the hospital, and they checked him out. He'd gotten sick. They checked him out, and they had him on a sonogram, and they found, I think it was a mass that was in him, and they started talking about, man, we're going to have to operate. He overheard them talking. They stepped out into the hallway talking about what they were going to do, and all of it, he said, man, he said, I laid there, and he said, God, I don't want to have an operation. 
God, I'm, he said, I, I don't want them operating on me. He was, I think, over 80 years old. He said, I don't want them operating on me. He said, God, he said, look, he said, I have made deposits. He said, I have given faithfully to your kingdom with my finances and with my life. And he said, God, I haven't asked for a return for some time. I haven't made a withdrawal in quite a while. He said, but God, right now, I need to make a withdrawal. God, right now, I I want to draw out and I'm asking you to heal my body you're talking about five minutes time of him praying and those people in there and when they came back in the mass was gone off of that x-ray he was he they said man we can't find it they started looking we don't know where it went he said I knew where it went I'd made us some deposits and I was making a withdrawal Sometimes we wonder why we're not blessed, and it's because we've never learned how to be a blessing. You've got to give to God. Look, I want you to think about this. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. I want you to, th- I want you to consider that. There'll always be people that don't know how to operate in the principle. The poor you'll have with you always. Now, hear me. He's on a street corner, and there's one woman, because the poor isn't about how much is in your account. It's about what's in your heart. There's a a woman on the street, and she dropped in two mites. And a man sounded a big trumpet and started giving, and he wanted everybody to see what he was giving. And Jesus took his disciples aside and he said, which of them gave the most? See, because God isn't looking at just what you gave. He's looking at what you got left. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to know that this little woman gave more than everyone else. God is not a respecter of person, but he is a respecter of principle. How could he make that statement? Because of the principle that was behind it. He said they gave out of their abundance, but that woman gave all she had, and that's what got his attention. That was giving from the heart when you've given everything you know to give. I want to make sure I got something in my account. I'm going to end with this today. I didn't get to do this in the first service because we ran out of time. This is Jesus. I'm going to end with Jesus' words. Luke 6 and 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured again to you. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to pour back to you in accordance to the way you show generosity. You're going to be rewarded according to the way you give. Now, stay with me here. Hang on. There's, There's a passage here. Hey, I need two guys run up here real quick. Real quick. Man, you're slow. Let's go. Ready? Grab that and move it back, please. Yeah. 
Thank you. So when he, he makes a statement and he said, shall men pour into your bosom? Everybody say into your bosom. See, we read that and we think, what's going on? Where'd the guys go? Oh, here, come here. Grab, grab a corner, please. Go ahead, grab that sense. He says, shall men pour into your bosom? A lot of people read this scripture and they don't understand what he's saying. In Jesus' time, he, he's, he's tapping into something that took place during his time. During Jesus' time, men would often come to the market and they didn't have baskets or they didn't have containers. It's not like you could get an Aldi bag. And so what they used to do is they used to wear, come, come here a minute, Dave. They used to oftentimes have a, a, a robe on and they would open it up and men would pour in to the robe. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, you go to the market Yeah, that's good right there. He said, you go to the market, grab that basket if you would. You go to the market and people say, one basket of corn for $10. So put your basket down and they go, okay. He gives, he gives $10 and he says, okay, there's your basket of corn for $10. Well, let's make sure that it's, you know, that we need to make sure it's an even basket. There, there, there you go. That's one basket of corn for $10. And he gives that to him. And then he walks down the street and he sees somebody else and they brought their basket. Go ahead and put it down. And it says one basket of corn for $10. And he sees a guy give them a basket that's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Here, take it. And he's going, what, what's he going to say? He's going to say, from now on, I'm coming here. Because that other guy was kind of ripping me off. <laughs> but this is what Jesus said. Pull your shirt. Jesus, Jesus said, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait, hold it, hold it. Oh, sorry. Here, you're his dad to help him. Jesus, listen, oh, listen. Stay with me, stay with me here. Jesus, now, hey, we didn't plan that, but now you get the scripture, try me. And I see if I don't open the windows and pour out on you blessing that you can't contain. What's he saying? He said, I'm going to bless you so much, it's going to come through you and start pouring out on others. <laughs> come on, somebody. But I, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not done yet because we're talking, we're talking about Jesus. And Jesus doesn't deal with baskets. <laughs> Jesus. 
<laughs> so, so what, if, if, look, if, I told David he needed to put on some weight. <laughs> so now, now, wait, look, when they saw the disciples, they said those are ignorant and unlearned men. But they made a statement, they said, but we can tell they've been in the presence of Jesus. You hear me. When you begin to operate in the principle that God laid out for you to give by, he's going to pour it out on you until when you come walking down the street, people are going to say, hey, hey, hey. Here comes that guy that knows how to touch God's heart. Here comes that guy that's always giving and never ever will the devourer be able to take from you what God has given. Would you stand with me today? Thank you, Dave. I, <laughs> we really needed a picture of that. So here's my question. We, we've got a set amount of time here in this life. When I discovered this principle, I repented before God. I went to my pastor that had not taught it to me. And I said, and I, I, took, a, I took an air conditioner out of my window. Not because I was required to, not because somebody said you ought to, but because from my heart, I felt like, God, I just want you to know I'm serious about this. So I took an air conditioner out that we really needed. And I took it to the pastor's house and I said, I want you to accept this. For all the times that I didn't give, I said, I just didn't know. From here on out, I want to honor God. It wasn't about somebody guilted me into it or somebody manipulated me. It was about realizing that God had a blessed life. He wanted me to live. But the only way that I could live it was to operate in his principle. Can, can I tell you that you're looking at an individual who's a nobody? I didn't have power and influence. I worked in a factory and had a burning in my heart to share the gospel with people. When I got ready to quit my job, man, the devil wreaked havoc in my mind. You're crazy. You got a good job, you got a child, or you got two children and a wife. How are you ever going to make it? And I couldn't get it out of my mind. I kept hearing it every time I was in the factory. Why are you still here? And I knew I had to go. And when I went and we went, man, and it was nothing. Usually when I was working, I had revivals lined up through the summer. I had one revival scheduled. I was trying to make sure everything was right. God, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You can't manipulate God. I said, God, I'm ready to go. I need a year's worth of revivals. God said, no, you're either going to do it because you trust me or you won't do it at all. That was in May of 1991. In August of that same year, 
I was supposed to buy my house my contract was due. I thought, I felt like an idiot. I was going into the bank to try and get a loan. I almost didn't go. I thought, man, this guy's going to laugh me out of here. You know what it's like to go in and sit down? And the guy said, I, I said, I, I need to borrow money for my house. I'd like to buy a house. And he said, well, what do you do? He said, I, I, I preach. He said, well, how long you been doing it? I said, well, you mean getting paid for? <laughs> he said, I said, three months. He said, three months. I said, yeah. I said, but before that, I had a job for nine and a half years that I worked. And he said, well, how much do you make? I said, I, I don't know. He said, what do you mean you don't know? I said, I don't know. I said, it depends on what they give me. I don't know. And man, when I, 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 walked, I, I walked out of his office and he said, well, go sit in, in the waiting room and wait. And I promise you that the devil screamed at me and said, you idiot, get up out of here and leave before he even comes back. He's going to throw you out of this office. And man, it was just raging in my mind. But I knew that there was a God that had made a promise. And sometimes you just got to hang on. You just got to say, God, I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe. He came back out within 15 minutes and he said you've got the loan you've got the loan guy that was selling the house to me decided he wanted to change his mind he was trying to break the contract that I'd written he said well unless you've got that money in my hand on this date you know it's it's going to be null and void I said no I'm exercising my right to purchase he said, no, you no, no, it's got to be in my hand. I said, I've got the money. I said, but they won't release it until the title insurance comes through. They told me it could take 15 days. I had like three days. They called it in. The, when the, they found out about it, the vice president said, that makes no sense at all that he wants something like that. And I was in a revival in Arkansas, man, out in the middle of nowhere, a bunch of pigs and cows. How am I talking about people? I was, on, I was on a farm and, and, and all of a sudden a call came in and when the call came in it was the vice president of the bank and he said and, and the, the, the pastor said here this is for you and I thought man who's calling me here and he said hey is this Rick I said yeah he said all I can tell you is somebody upstairs must really like you because the title insurance is come back <laughs> see if I won't rebuke the devourer for your sake, I'm going to push back what's trying to take over. I'm going to bless you in ways that you can't contain it. I didn't even know how to contain that. <laughs> Praise God. By November of that year, I was in Russia. I'm a nobody from no place. And I spent the next 11 years making, going back and forth to Russia, 13 trips. Watch God open up government buildings and they invited me to their schools to not just pass out the Bible, but to teach the Bible. They opened up Leningrad, they, they opened up Lenin's office in Leningrad and St. Petersburg, pulled back his chair, said, set at his desk. The whole time I'm going, God, I don't get this. Who am I? I said, I'll tell you who you are. You're my son. And when you operate according to the principle that I've laid out for you to operate in,
then I'm going to do for you what you don't have room enough to contain. There's some things you just can't make happen. Some things that you've just got to trust God for. And when you give cheerfully from the right intent, when you give not just of your finances, but of yourself, you mark my word, there's no way that you're going to be able to outgive God. Say, sing this song. I want, I want every, look, if you want, if, you, if your prayer today is, Pastor, I want, I, I, I want there to be a supernatural hand on my life, ordering my steps. I want there to be supernatural favor on my life. Do you understand? All those things didn't happen for me because I'm somebody special. All those things happened, I believe, because I was operating in a principle that he laid out. That I was willing to give of myself, me personally, and to give of our finance. And when God sees that, God begins to multiply it. The devil is into subtraction and division. God is into multiplication. Are you ready for God to multiply some things in your life? I want you to come up here and stand with me. We're going to pray over you for God's supernatural hand in your life. Before everybody else comes, I want Joyce and LaDonna to come up here real quick. They're going in for uh, surgery tomorrow. Not together, but they each have a surgery tomorrow. <laughs> and how many of you believe that God can just supernaturally bring healing to them? Amen. I mean, God can, God can cause for supernatural recoveries. God can cause for you to get there and then all of a sudden say, Man, I don't understand this, but it, this isn't near what I thought it was supposed to be. This isn't what I saw before. We, there was a lady in a meeting we had, and they, she had cancer. And they said, well, it's, 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 uh, it's bigger than a quarter and thicker than one. And it's growing. The next time she went, they said, I don't understand this. It's smaller than a dime and thinner than one. God is able to do what we can't do. So as you stretch your hands to heaven, now I think about this. I want you to remember what Oral said. God, I need to make a withdrawal. I've been faithful I, I, in my giving to you. I've been faithful in giving of myself and giving of my finance. So God, I'd like a withdrawal, please. I'm asking for a supernatural recovery. I want to be, I, I want to heal quicker, faster. I, I want to be better than I was before. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. We receive, ah, mm. we receive it right now in Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Now stretch your hands up. Look, this isn't about because of who I am or who you are. This is about because of who he is. Everybody say, I believe. 
Father, I thank you, God. I believe, Lord. I just ask you even now, God, Lord, that you do what we can do. Father, that you reach out your hand, God, and bring God to our God is saying you need to buckle up because the third great awakening is already in the process it's already begun and I want to use you I want to use you but to use you there's some things I need you to do I need you to make me first I need you to honor me above all else and I need you to give yourself to me all of you to me stretch your hands to heaven with me right now you've wrestled with that a little bit that it's raised up Across this church, just stretch your hands to heaven with me. Stretch, stretch your hands up with me. God, I give you praise for it. Raise your hands. Up. You know, here's the deal about God. God knows us inside out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So you can't do the soft shoe with Jesus. You just have to say, here I am, God. Come on, stretch your hands to heaven and say, here I am. I need already working miracles isn't he <laughs> he's just he's just beginning 
he's just beginning. So this is what I want you to do. Stretch your hands and say, here I am, God. I want you to use me. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm giving you myself. I'm giving you my best. And God, <laughs> I almost hate that. I, I, I can't help it. I got to say it this way. Let the good times roll. Are you ready? Raise those hands to heaven and say with me, let the good times roll. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we give because you gave. Father, we thank you, God, because you gave the best gift that you could possibly give. So today, we want to give our best. We say, here we are. Use us, God. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give my hand clap of praise in this house. what giving is all about it's when all of a sudden you get excited you're overjoyed I remember a time in scripture where they'd set out a chest and they they, they told the people if you'd like to give to the building of the temple give to that they came back and Moses had to go back out and say okay everybody stop because <laughs> we got more than we need right now that's God that is God. And do you know what happens when we get more than we need? We just pour it out to somebody else. I said, we pour it out to somebody else. So if you feel like your cup is running over, just reach out and take somebody by the hand. Dela, Kilo, Yes, God. Yes, God. this because last week when they were here I didn't know who you were and then I found out afterwards who you were and I said oh and then I realized that this was your wife you don't know the miracle behind her being here today they said she wasn't supposed to be here she's supposed to be gone but how many of you know that God's got the last word <laughs> yes so we give him praise for the miracle he's working in her life right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. Well, grab somebody by the hand. Look them right in the eye and say, I'm all shook up. I, I, I'm excited about what God is doing. And the best is still in front of me. So as you raise those hands, just say it like this. God, I'm asking you to use me, all of me, for your glory in Jesus' name.
God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.